And how are we getting on? How are you getting on, Neil? Thanks for joining me. Hello there. No, welcome. Thanks very much for asking me on. Of course. Cheers. And thank you so much for dealing with all the hassle. It, it took a while to get here. We, we messed up the call the first time. And That's all right. A couple of emails <laughs> in between. We got it. No worries. Place. I'm quite familiar with technical snafus. It's all good. <laughs> Fair play to you. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you're in a massive game fairly recently. People might have heard of it. If, if they didn't, fair play to them living under a rock. Um, <laughs> Resident Evil Eight Village. Yeah, yeah, man. Heisenberg. Big one. Yeah, it was. It was a. Um, yeah, it was a. Re- it's really lovely job to have done. I mean, I'm very honoured to have Capcom ask me back for a second character in a second one of the games in the fra- same franchise. So that in itself was a really sweet, lovely thing to be able to say and do, which was cool. Um, and yeah, I don't think I don't think we were all prepared for how big Village was going to be. Actually, um, we knew it was going to be quite good. We just didn't think it would be like fucking enormous. <laughs> so it's like become this huge juggernaut game, uh, and it's still. I mean, obviously, the life cycle of a early release doesn't really last that long typically in most games and maybe if you're lucky you get like a month or so of like writing that of that sort of crest of the release and people are talking about it but this has been going on for like the whole year which is amazing so and um you know it's been interesting as a as an actor to be a part I've been a part of some very big franchises before so I'm very lucky in that sense in, in games and a lot of the work I've done over the years is sort of like you know it's always sort of layered on top of each other or crisscrossing and whatnot but this thing was, um, yeah, this was definitely bigger than I thought it was going to be, and the resp- in terms of the response and, and people in is people's enjoyment of it. So it was really nice to be just a small part of that big kind of like machine, that mayhem machine uh, that we yeah. call Village, and uh, the fact that people like my character, or maybe not even like, just like are interested in, were entertained by him, um, is of course like you know the best thing in the world to hear as an actor. It's a bonus, really, on top of the job. Yeah. I've never seen quite the same kind of reaction uh, for for fans to the actors afterwards. And <laughs> only the other day we had Becca Pruitt on. Oh yeah, Becca's lovely. She shared. She put like one post up and like the amount of people who came flooding in. Like when we normally do an episode and try uh, get it out there afterwards, no, nothing really comes of it from um, uh, the guest side because you follow someone you think they're interesting. You're not going to check out something else they did. And um, but sure. fuck me, dude, <laughs> they they went. Ham, they went ham. Yeah, so Becca's fair play to them. Woman. But they did a great job, Becca, Nicole. You know, and I mean, um, you, you know, it was a really, uh, it was a really amazing, um, it was a really amazing cast. And to say that across the board, I mean, the whole, the whole of Resident Evil. Um, cast was lovely delightful to have worked with and um i think that's the thing that when you're when you're lucky enough to when you're lucky enough to be able to be a part of something like that and to work with such lovely amazing people that it it really does it really does make life wonderful for an actor because it's hard to get a gig you know I mean, I'm pretty lucky on the whole. I've been working a lot in games. Thank you to everybody that ever hires me. Um, but there's always like a bonus um, to work with such amazing actors. I mean, especially like people like Jeanette and uh, Nicole Tompkins and Becca, you know, they were just like really lovely fun. I mean, you know, Jeanette is, was a beautiful human being and a really, I only met her for like one day and she left a huge impression on me. 
and it was very sad to hear of her passing and you know all of us were touched by her um you know when we met her we were all taken by her some of us obviously people got to know her a lot better but um she was like a really beautiful human being and there were some really cool people on this gig and it was just a really fun experience. I didn't, I didn't have any difficult days on this thing. I very rarely have difficult days in, in work anyway, to be perfectly honest, because I, I really love the playtime of it. But this was a really fun from start to finish adventure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, Maggie is amazing. She and I became really good friends uh, during the shoot. Um, I got to know um, everybody really, um, really well. And yeah, Ethan Winters. <laughs> Dude, I love the voice. I couldn't place the accent. The accents are mishmash of creatures, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So, I mean, for, for me, the, the original, basically, the, the idea, um, the idea, sorry, I should probably say, actually, by the way, huge props to Todd Soley, because Todd, like, carried the whole fucking thing, and he was in every single scene, and I tackled him to the ground so many fucking times and dragged him all over the place, and he took it like a champ. So, <laughs> so huge props to him before we go anywhere else. Um, and also to Steve Kneebly, the director, who's amazing, whom I've worked with many times before. He's an old, uh, we're an old collaboration uh, partners together, as, as is Nicole as well. Um, you're just amazing actors across the board. Um, but yeah, anyway, the accent. Um, so the accent, originally the remit was for Transatlantic, which I don't know if you know what Transatlantic is, yeah. but it's very like old fashioned Hollywood, like 30s, 40s, 50s somewhere between taking American, taking British, English specifically, sorry, and then meeting them somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. That's transatlantic, right? It's the, the, the metaphor. And it's kind of like a very, very pop. So, you know, somebody may talk like that. It's, it's sort of American, but it's also kind of British. It's clipness, everything's at the front, which is unusual for American, everything's usually at the back. Um, so we started with that and then I just, I, I like to tinker and I like to obviously create character. So originally all I had was Lord Heisenberg and a little bit of his background, but not much and his situation and transatlantic. I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know what he looked like at all. So I went with sort of my gut, which was well, transatlantic, who are the kind of, let's look at actors that have very famous transatlantic accents. And like, I sort of settled on Cary Grant and with that, I kind of liked his the casualness, the comfortable, he's so comfortable. If you ever watch Cary Grant and like, I don't know, North by Northwest or something, he's so goddamn comfortable in front of the camera that every time he moves, it's just like, it's like he's in a lounge. It's like every time he steps into a room, he owns that room or he's like, that's where he sleeps or something like that. It's really, he's just incredibly like casual and comfortable and has this ease about him that's really engaging. Obviously it's why people loved him. Um, and then, then from there, I, I also liked of people of that ilk and era, um, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart's a really fascinating actor because he was very ahead of his time in terms of realism and naturalism. So I kind of like, got, I don't know why the inspiration took me just to sort of merge the two together. So you kind of got a little of that, right? You know, it's sort of all transatlantic, but a little bit of Jimmy Stewart, like that. And then for... <laughs> Just it's very unique. It's a little weird, yeah. But then yeah. on top of that, I then thought, well, I have to sort of delve into the mania of him, the sort of the sort of violent, you know, sort of powerful, on edge, very dangerous, very elusive, and not entirely sure. Can you trust him? Can you not trust him? So then I decided, well, of all the actors I really respect and like, I can't, I really dig Nicolas Cage. I think he's batshit crazy. I love it. 
And I just thought, wouldn't it be fun to experiment with that? So, so I just sort of jammed Nick, Nick Cage in there uh, for the mania of him. And it kind of worked, <laughs> you know? So you, you get this kind of, this kind of uh, thing when he sort of drops down into a Harley's to face off, you know, <laughs> shit like that, right? So and then I sort of created this sort of weird hybrid accent, which also informed me a lot about the character because the, the accent, I didn't, I didn't choose these accents arbitrarily. And the impulses that came out from sort of making some decisions were following like who the character I saw was, because obviously the way that you talk informs your history, informs your genealogy to some degree in terms of your location and nationality and culture. Well, not even nationality, but culture specifically, like which part of the world do you identify with, right? And your accent tends to gravitate towards that. So people sometimes lose their accents because maybe they don't really identify with that place, they identify with this place and so on and so forth. Um, I lost my original native accent, you know, some years ago, a very long time ago, actually, whereas my twin brother still has a very strong uh, accent from our hometown. Um, and that's, uh, you know, so these things matter. So you can't be arbitrary and just do, do shit for kicks. You can get a kick out of it, but you shouldn't just make them arbitrary. Um, so, so, yeah, this accent sort of came out and the Japanese um, executives from Capcom, the wonderful people there and, and Steve, they kind of dug it. <laughs> so it was, that was the way it was. And the, the, the gravelly thing came out of me having a cold one day and it kind of got a little <laughs> like this. So, and they liked that too. So I was like, okay, so maybe we can drop into that a little bit when he's getting a little, let's go get Rose. We can use her to grind Miranda into paste. Like when he gets super excited and, and a little like, you know, let's go. So that's sort of how the accent came about, really. And I'm very lucky that I do have a, a well-trained, good, very relatively versatile voice that can sort of sustain that without it sounding, I hope, too forced. <laughs> it sounded very natural. It sounded like an accent from a place you'd never heard of. Yeah, and that's the it, point. He's, he's, like, you're not supposed to be able to know where the fuck he's from. Yeah, it's like know. there's one guy in the Alps somewhere. He's only never at the crazy. village, but he's, he's only American television. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's American has been traveling for 70 or 80 years, which is sort of the truth of the thing is. So, yeah, it was sort of like, let's make it a bit weird, you know. So you, you were saying you're really close with the with the cast. Yeah. Do you normally have that kind of relationship when you do a game or when you do a project? Oh, almost always. I'm very, very lucky that I've, I've got these little like families and tribes of actors that I've worked with and directors, of course, as well. And there's little pockets and groups of us that I they sort of flit like a, a social butterfly between. Um, Planet of the Apes, for instance, we had a very, very close bond with everybody on that. And, and there was an ape tribe and a human tribe. And I got to know all of them because I was playing both um, and lots of things in between. So, yeah, on the whole, I'm very lucky I get to work with some amazing actors. Um, and there's very few egos on this side of the business. In fact, there's, there's almost none, I would say, that in terms of problematic people or difficult people that don't put the work first but you know the, their own shit gets in the way there's not that many people I've come across that I would say who didn't really enjoy working with that person which is something to be said in any career I think that's pretty mm. amazing so um yeah I do make some very good close friends um that I like, love working with again and again sometimes you know Nicole and I um can't talk about some things but you know this is not our first rodeo and it may not be our last <laughs> we may have some shit so yeah, yeah. so 
I get very lucky. I'm very lucky in that respect that I get good projects. I get asked to play great characters. I get to work with fantastic people. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I've talked to just about all of the cast so far from Resident Eight. These are these are fucking sound. These are very nice people. <laughs> yeah, these, are, these cool. are lovely. Yeah, um, pretty cool. I feel a bit bad for Aaron Leplant because he had to do all of his stuff kind of alone, so it wasn't. Witches. Yeah, but we've got to know Aaron. Um, Aaron was, of course, a really close friend with Jeanette, and um, I think he took the, he obviously took that harder than anybody um, with her death. Um, but and we got to know Aaron actually. I got to know sort of Aaron through that and through the signings we were doing and. And I never met him, and but I met him online through the stuff we were doing together as, as a collective. Um, but even still, like Aaron's a part of it, and I think that's the thing that you know these kind of these these projects are wonderful because they're hugely collaborative. <clears throat> you can have like five actors play one character in certain circumstances. It, that can be done in performance capture and voice work and stunts and lot of stuff coming together. So the mindset is very much like you know there are no small roles because you could be doing 20 small roles and work longer than anybody on a game even you know whereas the lead may only do a couple of days and that might be them done you know so no there is a great equalizer also with the suit as well the costume uh, the mocap suit that we wear it does tend to equalize everybody in a way so there's this mindset that everybody's working collaboratively together and you're also pitching in really in that sense you know you're all kind of there propping up each other and propping up the project and, and making making sense of the story and presenting it in an entertaining way. So um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't really come across negative egos. Well, maybe one or two, but not many. And Aaron was great to get to know and his work is amazing. And, you know, he's as much a part of it as everybody else. So yeah, yeah it was just a shame I didn't get to see him in the suit because that would have been interesting. <laughs> in, in fairness, when we're chatting to him, saying to like, your guy didn't move too much. You weren't going to be very mobile. They're going to put you in a big chair and you're going to talk. I would have fucking done it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, in the fucking chair, lock yeah. my head, so I can just barely turn it, and that yeah. way, and it's cool. Why not? Um, I, I think it was more about the time and money issue. It was like you know, mm. the time it would take to set something like that. If if you have time, I think it's always best to do it in situ in the volume. But I think the main issue was that there's there was so much dialogue for him to get through. Uh, the time that we had to shoot was pretty squeezed anyway. So if you could do it with him just doing the ADR VO as opposed to doing the full mocap shoot, um, it's better because actually what you really need to focus on is huge set pieces and these very complicated scenes. So it doesn't make much sense. But obviously if you have unlimited time and money, then you always do it in the volume, obviously. Yeah. Dude, uh, I'm I'm glad glad to see he's a, he's a big old happy family now, and it's it's just going. Yeah, on. man. Well, Jeff Shine, Nicole, and I, and Jeff's amazing. Um, we and Steve, we've we'd have a mocap. They are my mocap family. Um, I have other mocap families as well. I cheat. <laughs> um, like? it's not it's not like that. But um, but yeah, we have a very strong. We call ourselves a mocap family because we work together quite a few times now. Um, Will Hope as well as another person I've collaborated with a few times. Um, and there's some other actors as well, Cheryl Berniston, Acerel, who are amazing. I've worked with multiple times, uh, Keziah Burrows. Um, there's a long list, so if I, I'm going to forget people in a minute. Um, but, you know, I also have another, I did a, a gig for Square Enix, which was amazing for five months. And there's a whole bunch of actors that are amazing in that. And we, we created our own little tribe from that. It's like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on 
that's wonderful. And um, when you meet these people, you want to keep working with them because it's fun and it's freeing and mocap and performance capture are a little different from film and TV. You can, you can take your face off and, you know, and put something else on. Mm-hmm. Obviously keeping within um, appropriate um, uh, ethnic background casting, because I should not play African-American. It's not right to do that, for instance, um, which is fair enough as well. Um, but as long as you're within, you know, your, your particular group in, in terms of what you look like, I think that's completely legitimate to play anybody. Why not? I mean, the character actor can now play the leading man. The leading man actor can now be a character actor, for instance. I think it's really wonderful. And also now that games are, are, in, are really embracing diversity in a much better way than they had done, I think. It's also good for representation, I feel. At least it's getting better. So it's more open. This, this is an interesting... Again, it's like, you know, for casting, you know, there's more open, um, a more open uh, casting um, uh, accessibility uh, for actors now, which is also awesome to see that because I'm a huge supporter of that as well. Mm. I mean, I direct now as well. I also produce. Um, we just finished a production in Manchester, which can't talk about. <laughs> I've had to direct something, can't talk about. <laughs> and, but it's like we're, we're pushing uh, openness and inclusive, inclusivity and diversity as much as we can. Because yeah. uh, I think it's important, man. Yeah. Um, when, when you direct things, do you try like give yourself a cameo, or you kind of just do your bit? Um, it, no, it depends really. Um, I, I often come on board as a performer consultant, and I have directed myself as well. Um, I came on board as, but not as a, I tend not to try and. I mean, I tend not to cast myself. I usually get asked to do that, or I get hired as a performer, and then I come on board as like an action director as well, or something, or a stunt coordinator, which I also do. So it's a mixed bag, really. I don't. I would not try and cast myself in like a lead I mean, like, role. Give in yourself that way. a cameo. You know, like George Lucas has played aliens in the background. Oh yeah, Quite sure. Tarantino's I mean, been a guy having a coffee. Yeah, but I usually because it's performance capture and mocap. It's usually more utilitarian than that. It's not usually. It's okay. not usually like a cameo for the cameo's sake because no, because nobody knows who the fucker you are when you've got an alien suit on in okay. mocap, right? I did, did know you meant it, that that project was in. In mocap, huh? I did. I didn't know that was that project was in mocap. Which one? Sorry, I thought we were just talking about the Manchester one. Oh yeah, sure. No, no, this one was a production service job. So my my company handled the production side of it. We okay. did the casting. We helped with the casting as well. But I I don't need to be involved in that because I wasn't right for the character. So there's no reason for me to be involved in that. Um, likewise, if I'm directing, unless I'm asked by the games company or unless I'm being brought on as a performer consultant. I wouldn't try to actively put myself in a role unless it was asked for me from the top saying, listen, we'd like you to do this. Like, cool, great, fantastic. I can do that as well. So I can do you know, pretty much everything. I'm very t- lucky like that. Um, I can direct myself. Um, I'm, the, the next game I'm directing, for instance, I'm working as a co-director. So I'm co-directing with a game director and he comes from the, the character-driven narrative style. He's, he's also the writer. And, I'm, and he's also focusing performance. I'm focusing performance as well with him, but also I'm more on the performance capture side of things and making that all work as well together. So the two of us are very much aligned in tandem, for instance. Uh, other jobs where I've directed uh, singularly, um, I, yeah, I, if I can avoid putting myself in something, I will. But if he's a background role or 20 background roles that need filling, Obviously, you know, I can jump in the suit at any moment. Um, I think the main thing is to avoid trying to do too much. So the production stuff we did in Manchester, which we hopefully will do again, I'm just a producer on that. So I'm not trying to get in the suit. I'm not trying to get there because quite frankly, there's enough on my plate 
uh, <laughs> with Saleta Lasada, who's also the co-director of the company. There's enough on our plates to deal with that shit. <laughs> so I, let alone try to be performing, yeah. How busy are you actually? Like, what, what what are you up to at the moment? Like, obviously not. Like I gaming. haven't had. I think I had my first day off in about four months, five months. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm like literally a day without work, a day without doing anything. Um, it was about four or five months um, without stopping. One point this summer, I had twelve projects simultaneously, um, which were literally overlapping like this. Like, so one would finish, another one would start, another one, and so on and so forth. Sometimes two in the day, like voiceover, and then doing voice yeah. over here and doing that and then uh prepping for this for manchester gig prepping for a directing gig you know all that stuff just went bananas and then on top of that i was, I was doing some sort of streaming and signings and crazy shit like that and i have a company and i'm former and a director but i'm also a single dad uh co-parenting single uh, uh single father so that's it takes up obviously a huge amount of my time because it should because it's important to me <laughs> to be a good dad so time off I don't really get time off in the same way that I think a lot of people do but I'm happy like that I'm a workaholic I love my work and I'm grateful I'm very very grateful to everybody that's hired me but also the opportunity to work and create um is super important so yeah you know it's all right to get good psychological here how come you take on so much at once um, because I'm an all or nothing kind of person. Yeah. So if I, I think I get lazy if I'm not active and I worry about myself if I get lazy. So I'd rather be active and, you know. <laughs> Did you worry about that during COVID that you might fall into a rut? No, not really. Um, I mean, I've been doing Baldur's Gate 3 now for coming up to two years now. I think it's been, I think it's just, we just hit our two year mark. 2019 was when I started on it. And we're still going strong. You've got a ways to go yet. And the good thing about take the... their time. Huh? I love, I love games that take their time. I love fucking Larian. They're fucking amazing. Like Larian are one of the best game studios I've ever worked with. They're fucking mm. incredible. I love the attitude. They seem to have a really cool vibe at work. Uh, people seem like genuinely to have fun. They're all like me, like fucking role play geeks. And every time they have a good idea, they try and implement it as opposed to like cutting corners and shit. They just go back and go, right, it's going to take, you know, an extra, an extra month to do this, but we're going to do it anyway because the, the, the gamers deserve it, the game deserves it. I mean, I like, also like the attitude that they, they didn't put a metaphorical, like, business gun to their head and tie themselves to a release date and said, here's early access and here's all the things that's going to happen in early access and, like, your saves are going to get wiped and this, kind of the other. And they just fucking released it and went, but we want you to play it. We want you to get your feedback off it. I mean, if you take a good example, sadly, of Cyberpunk, which was a great disappointment, because I felt really sorry for everybody that worked on it, as well as the actors and stuff, but also the game developers. Because, you know, investors forced them, I suspect, to stick to a date with so many problems, and they probably knew about the problems, and they did it anyway, as opposed to releasing early access and saying it's not ready, but here you go, folks, you've waited long enough, and give us a year or so to get up to scratch. If they'd have done that, they would have saved the game, I think. But I mean, I enjoyed the game. It wasn't, you know, perfect. There was a lot of bugs, but it was an interesting experience. I think um, some of the voice work was great. Um, the game is flawed, sure, you know, technically, mm. but it's a huge endeavor. Like a massive, massive amount of work went into that game. I just think it was sad that they got crucified for releasing earlier than which they shouldn't have done. They should have just done early access because that's a thing now and people forgive. <laughs> when, when I talked to Sharon Lee, the voice of female V, or female V, she said... Oh, she's amazing. She, isn't she? she she's so, so good. 
Yeah. She's so good. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel bad for her because it was like, she's fucking great, man. Mm. She's yeah, really she good. She does a really good job. She does a yeah. really good job. And like, that's the thing. It's like, sorry, I interrupted you, man. You go ahead. Her, her point was that it had to be moved on to uh, like old gen. So that was the reason why it went to shit. Meh. Investors wanted that to happen. Meh. Yeah, but here's the thing. They could have done that anyway. Yeah, there's a bullshit well, that thing. That takes want... a lot of time, doesn't it? Yeah, but my, my feeling is the investors wanted their money. I don't think it was about a gen thing. Because here's the thing. like You can ship it. You can ship it on all gens. And you can update it and patch it across the whole board. Nah. That doesn't, I don't buy that. Because here's the other thing as well. You know, they, they released footage that wasn't applicable to PS4. And there was no sort of like, you know, this is not going to look like that moment. So, nah, I don't buy that. I mean, the, I think the bottom line is like investors want their money. So you think happened? Yeah, I think it was as simple as that, really. I, don't I think, think it's, it was a, it's a pretty good way to look at things. I think so, because it's a business. <laughs> and that's okay. I just, the main thing is, I'm not, I'm not knocking um, uh, Cyberpunk. I think it was great. I think it was a really great endeavor. And I think it's just a shame it wasn't quite given the time to be either. I think just a shame it wasn't given early access. Um, because it would have saved a lot of the issues and people would totally forgive a lot of the issues that they didn't forgive at the time. Personally, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time uh, playing it. I played it quite a lot. Um, I just don't get to play games often. And, you know, the voice work is amazing and some of the art is extraordinary and gameplay mechanics is really fun. I mean, there's some really cool shit in it. And the, the tragedy is I'm not entirely sure we're ever going to get to see a game like that for a long time um, in terms of the aspiration and the presentation, all that kind of stuff. It was a really, there's some really cool shit in that game. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So what I'm talking about is not about the craft, about the people's effort, because it was stellar. And it was just, I just think the business side, when business comes into it, sometimes it can make decisions that aren't fantastic for the sake yeah. of money. You know? Have you had to deal with that personally? Well, like I was saying with Larian, they've taken the opposite view. And they obviously, you know, it's a business and everything, but they are... They just want to make it the best possible endeavor. And if it takes longer than people want it to take, it's going to take longer. And I think I really support that because my point of view is like, yeah, what they're trying to do is just present it the best possible game they can. And if that means like delaying it and just releasing it when it's done, it's done when it's done. Fair enough, I think. No? I think that's pretty cool. So um, I've never had to deal with it negatively. Here's the thing though, don't get it wrong. Actors are not, we don't make the game with a cherry on top of the game. All these hundreds of people, thousands of people sometimes go to making the game with hundreds and thousands of, of people hours. Um, we come in, maybe we do a two week shoot, three week shoot, maybe one week prep, maybe we do voice work a couple of sessions or maybe a year. That's our job done. We're like the cherry on top of the game. <laughs> on top of the game. Even if we do mocap and in-game mechanics, we're still not the animators and developers and the writers and the people have poured so much of their life into this project. We have to respect that. We come into it respectfully saying, what can we do to make it even better than you've already made it, you know? So I think it's important to, I really appreciate the attention that we get and I appreciate the attention that people have with my work and supportive, but honestly, you know, the game is the game because of these people, not because of the actors. The actors just make it more immersive perhaps or create a sense of connection, which is very, very important, but we didn't make the game. So, you know, read the credits of a game because I don't know if people do or not. Uh, they read else. credits of film, right? You should read the credits of a game, man. You know what I mean? I think a good way of getting people to read them is to do what Marvel does. Leave something at the end. Fucking A. 
Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. We'll let them play the game beyond the credits. Force them to. I mean, yeah, I think it's fair enough. (laughs) Um, You know, it's important, though, to honor that, to to remember that, because I think sometimes as much as I appreciate the attention and, you know, people interested in my work and stuff, I, I just hope that the developers and animators and everybody that goes into that game, directors, everybody gets a fair shake of attention as well, because they're the ones that we all work together. You know, I'm a small cog in a very, very big machine. And um, I'm just there to try and help the immersion, help you connect to the characters that you're playing and will experience to make it even more of an, a great experience than just the gameplay itself. You know, it's it's, very, it's a very key part of the game as well. Like it can really make it or break it. Could you imagine kind of, yeah. Red Dead Redemption, the, the second one that came out recently? I know that they use like twelve-year-olds with their phones. That was yeah. pretty pretty terrible. Like there was guys that were so detailed in developing that game they changed the way the horse's balls worked depending on the temperature <laughs> yeah there was there's a lot of blood sweat and tears in that game definitely and i i mean hats you know listen hats off to them it, it was it's a hell of a game it really is uh, i still haven't completed it because i just don't get enough time to, to play games <laughs> yeah i got like about a quarter of the way into it or something and i still did a shit ton of stuff in it i'm still obsessed with it and i still want to be a cowboy um so you know i think it, again it's like the number of the amount of sweat blood and like sheer effort that went into it. it's amazing same thing with cyberpunk amazing amount of effort went into that game mm. and um that's the thing you know even to produce a game that doesn't that flops or whatever or doesn't or doesn't do as well as expected is a huge amount of effort, is, is years of people's lives. Um, yeah. But on top of that, you know, I mean, Christ, Red Dead has some incredible actors. Roger Clark is just fucking Legend. delicious. Legendary man. I got to meet him in London. We had dinner together. Um, I was with Troy Baker, uh, Nolan North. I mean, it was like, talk about like, what the fuck? You got like, like some of the best Brian, names Brian, in the game. Brian Deckard, Amelia, and Amelia Deckard. Um, Amelia Rose Blair, sorry, and um, uh, with, with Troy Baker, Nolan North, and uh, Roger Clark, and like a whole bunch of other people as well. And it was just like, what the fuck? Like just eating, going, what the? F- this is insane, because they're just so talented, they're so good, mm. and um, it's really nice, I think, to be surrounded by so many enthusiastic, talented actors and directors and writers and and game developers and animators, you know, because it really just feels like you're part of something quite quite wonderful we play heroes and doctors and villains and stuff we are not doctors and heroes we don't save people's lives we entertain people we're entertainers so you know that also has to take in you have to take that into perspective as well i feel that you know we i, I the nicest compliments i think i've ever heard and that's from talking to friends as well who have heard the same thing that a game has really helped somebody through a difficult time and that's like amazing to hear that that's not down to me that's not down to the actors that's down to everybody together to create a great game that helps somebody just take a break from the stress of their life Uh, but to be a small part of that it's a really nice experience to hear that you know it's just great that we know that we pick somebody up when they're having a shitty day you know that's what's what entertainment is really uh in a small in one way there's other things about art and entertainment and all kind of stuff obviously but just in a small way to entertain somebody to lift them up is a wonderful privilege to have as a human being you do it for a lot of people so <laughs> fair play to you Can now I, I know i know you're a busy guy and you gotta go soon so sure. my, my last question for you there real quick is uh what, what would be the difference in resident evil 8 when you're on set versus that of uh detroit become human um 
Troy, we we did a lot of work in a day, man. We did a 16-hour day was the last day I had there, which was amazing, which I loved. It was Brian and I just pretty much just playing and improvising our way through some of some of Adam Williams beautifully and and obviously David's and Ben's beautiful written words and scenes. So it was glorious. Um, I don't really make distinctions like that, to be honest, man. They were just different gigs, you know. Um, like kind of a horror game. One was a lot more serious and yeah, but you don't human. play. You don't play as an actor. You, I don't play villains and I don't play horror or action. It's more like there is a tonality to each project, and there is a kind of thematic nature to each project, and the characters I get presented are never in my eyes bad or or you can't play amoral you can't play immoral you just have to play the wants needs and objectives of a character the obstacles come through the script about why they can't get what they want and their reactions to that are all the choices of the facets of the character right so so fundamentally you're just playing a fictional truth of a character that you love no matter what other people think of them so if somebody thinks my character's a villain, cool, that's the audience to decide that. I don't give a shit about that. It's nothing to do with me. I'm just playing a character and, and what, how they go about getting what they want or need. So in terms of also like playing the volume, the volume is the volume, it's a playground. And each, each role, each, each character is, is different, but the simple core premise of what it represents, that it's like theater and film together, it's playtime, it's imagination, like a seven-year-old. It's like, it's just all these wonderful things cooked together. It's the same process and it's the same givens. It's just different stories and different characters. So for me, I don't really see a difference in one day or another apart from the context of what we're doing in the day, but the volume itself remains constant. And that's what I love about it so much is that I know where, how to blow my head apart in a good way and let my imagination just become the universe and expanse to every far corner of the volume. And that's the day and like, let's get going. Let's fucking start because for me, it's like, it's theater in the round. It's like fucking close-ups and wides and masters and sustained shots and it's fucking everything. So yeah, it's, I can't really compare the, the gigs. I loved working with Quantic Dream. Again, a whole bunch of people that just did so much to create such a great game, Detroit Become Human. Um, I loved working on Planet of the Apes with Andy Serkis. You know, that was an amazing experience with Stephen Eby directing that Last Frontier, which, you know, should have been released arguably as a TV miniseries because that's what it was. It wasn't a game. It was mismarketed, I think. It's a TV series. It's not a game. Um, but that was great fun to work on. Kingsglaive was great. I really enjoyed Final Fantasy. Working with Square was amazing. Worked with Capcom a whole bunch of times on different projects, some of which I can't talk about now either. Resident Evil 3 was great. It was like a film experience. So RE8 was like a film slash, I don't know, comedy show in some respects. Yeah. It's just like each job is different, man. So they don't differ in terms of like the feel of what you're about to do. Mm. They're different the cast of the characters and but like i don't know i just every i don't really have like a favorite project for instance You've spoken like a true actor I mean, yeah. i've done like i've done over 200 interviews a lot of which were actors and i always ask what was your favorite gig that kind of thing never never Usually, never never the question should be do you have a bad gig a gig that went south because that's they, if they, if they, they want to talk, about, talk it. about it oh that's the other thing as well you should never talk about it <laughs> yeah. you want to keep working in the industry basically so, shut the fuck up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um no i mean the truth is i've never had a bad day in the volume in 11 years never i've had different i've had really not great days in tv and film i've had shit days like, well that was a fucking shit show but i've never had a bad day in the volume um i've definitely had a couple of challenging days where i thought wow that was a lot but 
even they were like not negative experiences they were really positive actually um and it sounds corny or you know bits of truism that you know actors tend not to have favorite jobs because each role brings something different and you put your heart and soul i think some characters stay with you longer that's true i pick up habits from characters sometimes and they sometimes stick around unfortunately or fortunately <laughs> depending you're, you're on the a method actor aren't you uh, I am. My background's method, but I also studied Meisner, Lab, and Yat Malgram's work. I do study. I've just been using Yat's work for a new character, actually. Um, I studied quite a lot of different things: animal work, uh, movement stuff, voice work. So I, I don't know if I call myself completely a method actor, but I, I definitely studied method for four years. I, I started as a method actor in that way of like really applying that to a lot of the work I did. Um, I used lots of other tools as well. I don't just limit myself. But I like to really immerse myself in the character whilst I'm doing it. Yeah, that's for sure. But there's also an off switch, man. You know, you go home at night after finishing shooting. You don't want to be taking that character home. Um, yeah. You, you carry them on your back with you. Be they're on your back. Then you're not in you. Do you know what I mean? That's the trick. Like you, you have to push them out. And just, they're there for the whole duration of the shoot. And they might linger a bit longer. But they can't be in you when you step through the front door of your own home. They can't, you can't do that. Because the problem with that is it, it becomes very destructive, I think. And then your, I think one's ego sometimes might get the better of ourselves. And we start like, we start might be like sort of indulging ourselves with, with the thing as opposed to still focusing on what the thing is, what the story is and the character is. Yeah. I think when you're working, yeah, stay in character. Fuck it. Why not? That's brilliant. I think it's great. I mean, why the hell not? Stay in character the whole fucking day. Eat lunch as a character if it helps you. Yeah, for sure. You know, just take a pinch of salt. You might fuck somebody off if you are sticking too true to the character and you have no leeway because you might fuck somebody off <laughs> if you're playing the Joker, for instance, is a good example, I guess. Well, Jared Leto did that weird shit when he played the Joker. Because it's, it was for him. It wasn't for them. It wasn't for them at all. It was for, purely for him. Uh, I understand it. I think, did it go too far? I don't know. I don't think he cared about the other people's point of view really i guess i don't know the guy so you know but i think i'd be mindful of like not trying to destroy somebody else's work to satisfy my own need to create something to help me i definitely would create a lot of systems to help me that's for mm. sure and if i needed space from people to indulge in that to help me sustain absolutely i'll take that but i'll probably ask them or, or at least if, as long as i'm aware that they're aware then that's fine um but i often stay in character same character voice usually mannerisms walks you know the physicality of the person i might keep the whole time um plant the apes i used to i used to do a thing a, a basic relaxation exercise where i used to do hoots and hollers and and whoops and shit like that <laughs> and just scream a wah and i did that every single time before a take like every single time before a take like, I'm not even kidding. When you're into it, you're into it, I guess. Yeah, but it helped. It like literally released all the nervous energy I might be carrying around mm. at that moment and it got me into character. I drop into. That's pretty convincing. You know, you got into the character and the breath of the character. Yeah. It was just a relaxation tool to get me into. Heisenberg, well, Istarian, who I'm playing at the moment, Baldsgate 3, who's a, such a delicious character man i'm being blessed uh, it's a weird way to describe someone delicious oh, he's delicious you used it twice no no he's delicious yeah there are some delicious people in the world but he's a he's particularly delicious who else do you reckon is delicious uh william hope is a delicious actor he's yummy 
<laughs> Bill Hope is great because he's just like he's just like, he's just you just fucking love him, man. You can't not love Bill Hope. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> he's also seriously fucking talented as well, man. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Astarian is an interesting one because um. Hello, my name's Astarian. Is literally a basic relaxation tool, which I think people know about now anyway, because I use it often in public. So um, Astarian, you know, I found a way of of that shorthand. Um, like some some characters, I won't ever discuss my process with, and I won't discuss much about Astarian's process anyway until you've done and finished the job, because I find I that if you start talking about your shit about how your craft, it stops working. Whereas with the, hello, my name's Astarian, it just sort of drops me into the voice, drops me into the sort of upward movement from, you know, the, the, the bottom of the vertebrae of the neck upwards, because he's always looking down on you, you know? Hello, my name's Astarian. It's not you, darling. It's me. I have standards. You know, it's like that. It's sort of, there's a... You kind of sound like the vision. <laughs> when somebody else that. said that i did not model it on anybody in fact i modeled it on uh on my uh, my acting teacher actually just little bits little bits and pieces there's also a, there isn't there is an actor i did model it on actually who i'm not going to talk about until i finished just yeah. um but there's one very definite actor who who is like this incredible fucking powerhouse when he performed a certain role and it was just there was something about this actor that is just like wow and I, I really modeled quite a lot on him with a prompt actually from one of the directors um, who actually gave me a great source of inspiration very early on when we first started R&Ding the character. And I took his advice and I checked him out. I was like, yeah, I know, because A, I knew who the, character, the actor was, but B, I'd forgotten about the actor. So when I saw the actor, I was like, fuck, it's brilliant. And it completely unlocked his sort of this certain physicality and mannerism to a starian. So, I kind of um, think I know who, but I think if I said it... I don't know wrong, if you do, actually. It's probably not what you think. Probably not. Probably not. No. It's really probably not, because I don't think yeah. anybody's going to guess it. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Um, well, look, you gave me half an hour. And I, I gave you 40 slightly minutes. more than that, yeah. So, I have a pack. You know, i got to get on. I'm doing a job like next 10 days, so i got to go. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate the extra time you gave me. We, we That's okay, chance. man. That's all right. You know, I mean, listen, you know... Um, I'm very lucky and blessed to have been working with so many people, to be in such a cool industry, to have people like my work, which is a bonus. Um, and also I get to pay it back now. I get to have an academy that teaches courses to like stunt performers, dancers, puppeteers, actors, who have developers, animators, directors, whatever. I have a production company now that we start working with. So there's Performance Captured Academy and Performance Captured Productions. People ask my opinion about shit because apparently I have an opinion about shit now. And I get to work a lot and, you know, to. To be able to say that as an actor who at one point was really finding the, the work I was getting in TV and film very hard to, to enjoy because some of it I felt like wasn't really allowing me to be a character actor and really follow my craft work. Whereas games just went, do whatever you want, man. You know, if you work hard, then we want you. Was That was amazing. And Audio Motion, Brian Mitchell particularly, uh, Audio Motion started my career with Stacey Boisel, who is not in, that, um, in Audio Motion anymore. She left. A while ago but brian mitchell and audio motion started my career um he is the reason that i got into mocap and um stacy you know saw me as well at casting and that's why i do it and i got into games and, and video stuff i was an actor beforehand for like 22 years obviously in total maybe more actually i lost count but um but i got into games because some people took a chance on me and, and really offered me up the ability to play any role which was just wild 
So I've got a lot to be grateful for. And I do appreciate everybody that takes an interest in my work. And, you know, if any actors out there, they're more than welcome to contact my um, my company and we'll try and give them advice or at least like point in the right direction of how to start in games or what they could do to help themselves, I guess, to get involved in games. Well, you, you're doing all things right so far, I reckon. Thanks, and man. Again, man, it was, it was, it was a fu- fucking good conversation. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. It felt like a monologue from my point of view. But <laughs> I hope I didn't talk over you too much. You do have a habit. But... No, like, dude, if, if I said, did you enjoy doing the gig? And you said, yeah. And I said, yeah. What, what about it? All of it. It'd be a short interview. <laughs> it was great. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. All right. So if people want to check out, Neil, where can they find you? Um, so like all of my socials are Neil Newborn. TikTok, which I never use, but I have one and people follow, which is nuts in itself. Um, but like Instagram, Twitter, that kind of stuff. I have a Twitch channel as well, Neil Newborn to like talk about my work and also to interview other actors and people like that as well, which is kind of fun. I'm not a professional streamer. I just do it for kicks and to see my friends. Um, I have a YouTube, which I think is, I don't know, official Neil Newborn or something like that. My academy is at performancecapturedacademy.com. Um, my production company, if you want to check that shit out, is performancecapturedproductions.com. And uh, yeah, I'm just around the internet, I guess. So. <laughs> you got anything you want to hint at? You got any guests coming up soon? Uh, no, I've got, I've got a whole bunch of projects there, man. We've got like about, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, well, at least about 10 projects coming up. No, 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 most of which people don't know about yet. So well, there's something coming out, I think this year or no, beginning of next. BG3 is whenever, I don't know, end of next year is the aim, but maybe beyond that. It's what Sven said. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it can carry on for a few more years because I'm really enjoying playing a story. I want it to be out anytime soon. Uh, there's an animated film I did action directing for. That's at like some point. I'm directing this game now, which I'll talk about when I can talk about. Uh, there's a very big project with Square, which is coming out. Uh, there's some other information, news and stuff about stuff I can't talk about either. There's a lot of fucking NDAs, but there's a lot. I, I hate them. So, I hate them. You could, you, know. you could build so much hype without NDAs. But no, I whatever. mean, dude, like, I think the point is, it's like, you know, they don't want to, to ruin their chances of selling the game. No, so I, I, completely, I completely understand. But, yeah, I respect you know. NDAs. I respect all the people that I work with. From, from my point stuff. of view, interviewing like people and they can't say what they're doing, you get, you get the like. You just got to get creative, mate. Yeah. You just got to be creative around what you can talk about, you know. That's it. So if people want to check you out, they know where to find you. And yep. if you got this far in the, in the video or in the audio version, fair play to you. Take it handy and bye-bye.